And you're now tuned in to the I Don't Know Who podcast. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode. Um, We're going to get straight into it. I'm bringing y'all the hoop hierarchy of 2022. I'm giving y'all my top 10 NBA teams thus far this season. Um, This is just based off what I've been kind of tuned into what I've been watching over the past month and a half. Um, basketball's been really fun, in my opinion. Um, I know there's certain grievances that we all have with the game, but I still love the game. So I'm excited to bring y'all my opinions. Um, like, share, subscribe, and share the podcast with y'all friends. Um, we gonna get this on audio now. I put the last episode on Spotify and this episode will be up there too. Um, before I start naming off the teams though, uh, honorable mentions to the Los Angeles Clippers, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Atlanta Hawks. These are three teams that I was debating on putting in this list. Uh, however, I'm not too confident in all three of those teams, um, Atlanta's got their debacle going on. Philly's been injured. They don't have Maxine now. They didn't have Harden before. And they were kind of a team that had a slow start, so they need to get into a group of things. And I'm just not sure at this point they can make the top 10. And shout out to the Clippers. Um, again with them, same thing. Health, Paul George, Kawhi. They both been missing a good grip of games. Um... Really, they don't have any concrete evidence for me to go put them into the top 10 um, that I could say. Although on paper, I guess that you guys can still hold the on paper thing, but the deepest team in the NBA doesn't look like the deepest team in the NBA. That's, that's, that's all I want to say. Anyway, though, uh, at number 10, number 10 in the hoop hierarchy, I put the Sacramento Kings. Mm, they're... 14 and 10 to date. Um, they're fifth in offensive rating, uh, 15th in defensive rating with uh, plus 3.6 net rating, which makes them sixth in the NBA. Um, this team's been really, really impressive. Um, probably everybody's shocking team. If you would have told me they would have made my top 10 list, I would have told you you're wrong. Um, they definitely proved me wrong. Uh, they made me look dumb on the internet, so congratulations. De'Aaron Fox made me look bad on the internet. Congrats on that. <laughs> oh, they're six in pace. Uh, the offense is very uh, up and down. Um, you're going to play at a fast pace with this team, but it's also worth noting that they're going to make you play at their pace. So it's not like if you can slow the game down for them or anything like that. Defensively, they could hold up to par with just about any other NBA team. Um, they're not the most dynamic on defense, but they're average enough with their 15th rating. Um, they're average enough to hang in a lot of games. Uh, De'Aaron Fox is averaging 25-5-5. and, five and five. Uh, He's top 50 for show. I was wrong. I was wrong. All right, he's top 50. He's a top 50 basketball player, especially with what he's been doing this season. Um, he's shooting at 51% from the field, 37 from Trey, 82 from the free throw line. Those are splits that are going to get the job done. 
uh, especially as somebody who's already praised him as one of the best bucket getters in this league. Um, so, and he's doing the job like that when the turnovers aren't too high. Fox is playing at a high level thus far this season. Um, so, bonus is at 17-11 and 6.5 assist a game. Um, he's been profound too. Another player who I was hard on on this podcast and who I may have been wrong about. I don't want to say he's top 50 yet, though. I, he hooped too much like my coach, my, my my old coach, for me to go on and say, like, Sabonis is anybody that I care about on a basketball court in the NBA. But he really is better than what I give him credit for. I, that I'll give you guys. Uh, 60% field goal percentage this year, 38 from Trey Line. It's a career year for a bit of efficiency, and it's in part two. Fox's play and overall just the Kings consistency on offense. Uh, Harrison Barnes is getting consistent. Um, Keegan Murray helps space the floor. Um, the shot needs to go down more, but he helps space the floor and he moves without the ball for them. Kevin Herter, who's been the X factor for this team, um, shooting 42% from three, 62% true shooting percentage, averaging 15. Um, really efficient three level score for them. Um, a uh, score that they've needed, in my opinion, um, especially from behind the arc. Uh, Mike Brown is in debates for coach of the year, in my opinion. Um, he really did take that Golden State's philosophy of extra passing and ball movement into his own mix of things in Sacramento and is getting the job done. Um Dribble handoffs and uh, motion plays that they be running uh, to get their looks. I like the way Mike Brown is coaching this team up on offense. Um, and the biggest strength to this team for me is their guard play and how for 48 minutes you can get sustainable guard play from the Sacramento. Uh, Davion Mitchell is going to be just as consistent as De'Aaron Fox is in terms of running the offense and making sure the offense flows at a high level. Um... Kevin Herter, Malik Monk, uh, these are guys who have been solid shooters for them as well. And then De'Aaron, of course, playing like an all-star this year. Um, their biggest weakness right now is defensive versatility. Uh, nobody's going to clamp up nobody on Sacramento for 48 minutes, not on a night-to-night basis. And that's been kind of their Achilles heel so far. And with that being their Achilles heel, I just wonder if they could hold up being a top six team in the Western Conference or will they fall into play-in status? Um, in my opinion, I think Dallas will eventually get it together. And uh, I believe there's another team that's out West. Uh, uh, Clippers, Warriors. Um, those are teams that, like, they could probably creep up and make the Kings contend for the play-in but um regardless successful season for them successful season for the franchise um they really did uh move in the right direction going forward um at number nine i got the toronto raptors their record's 13 and 13 and they just lost to the orlando magic so i look like a writer um but let me just go ahead and explain myself Beforehand, um, they are 12th in offensive rating, uh, and they're 11th at defensive rating, and they're got a 
1.4 net rating, which makes them 11th in the NBA. Um, they're not really too dominant in either offense or defensive rating. And that's partly due to the depth, which I'll get into later. But with what this team could provide on a night-to-night basis on both ends, they make teams work. Um, they, they'll make your favorite player have to go to his second and third options, second and third moves. Can't just go to your go-to moves against Toronto. Um, at least, at least not if you're like, I mean, if you're Tatum or something, you can do whatever you want. But like, just, just keep in mind that like not everybody's like Tatum. Um, 25th in pace. This team's a sluggish team, hard-nosed defensive old school team. Um, they're going to really run their offense as well and use the shot clock. Uh, they're really trying to, to kill time and get you guys, this other teams to work. Um, Pascal Siakam is having a career year, in my opinion, as far as scoring-wise. He really looks like he's getting mature as a bucket getter now, averaging 25, 9, and 7. That's a career year and assist for him, if I'm not mistaken, as well. I'm really doing a good job facilitating this offense, yet finding his own spots. Um, they've really needed his play, and he's been super dynamic as a basketball player. If anything, 20, I put him 26, and he's probably producing like a top 20 player. Uh, for sure, all star. For sure, all star. Um, really dynamic on both ends of the court. Um, Toronto's X factor this season has been Bourgeois off the bench. He gives him eleven and six off the bench with switchability. Um, this team is very lanky, and um, being able to have him as one of the first options to just throw off the bench kind of like just keeps that consistency for them defensively. Um, the lineup of Van Fleet, Barnes, OG, Boshier, and Siakam has projected a Nate rating of 7.6, um, which would, hypothetically speaking, be the 11th best lineup in the NBA to date. Um, and that's basically just me reiterating that that's their closing lineup or their best lineup. Um, so just keep in mind that like it's not like I'm saying that this is the 11th best rotation in the NBA. It's more so like this is the 11th best lineup that of all the best lineups the team can throw out. Um, the biggest strength of this team right now is the team chemistry that they have. Um, everybody knows where everybody's going on both ends of the court. It's fluid. Um, whether or not the shots falling, they're going to have consistency on both ends of the court. Um, which is why you can see it in the numbers, though they haven't dominated or taken that step to really show that they're a great team. They've maintained in just about every aspect in basketball. Um, the biggest weakness right now, in my opinion, is the offensive production and Van Fleet's sluggish start to the season. Um, I talked about Van Fleet being a top 50 player. Right now he's not playing like a top 150 player. Um, the efficiency has been horrible. And it needs to improve in order for him to get back to that status quo. Because uh, everything else he's been doing fine, but the scoring has been so bad, it's like now he's not even shooting 40%. So is that this has got to improve. Um, I'm wondering if this team can break into the top 10 analytically eventually, or am I just projecting that this is a top 10 team based off what my eyes have seen? Um, I think there's a, one more layer that this team can reach, especially if, say, OG or Scotty Barnes find a rhythm or Fred Van Fleet gets back his rhythm. 
Um, OG's been really good this season. And Scotty Barnes has done what he needed to do. So it's not like I'm knocking those players. But um, what this team is missing right now is kind of like that number two go-to on a night-to-night basis. Um, Siakam has solidified himself as a number one option in this league, and he's doing it at an effective rate. Now they just need that number two to find themselves within this offense. And that's kind of what I'm projecting will be the next step in the next, like, 30 games to see if they really are a top 10 team, like how I believe they are. Um, next, I got the Brooklyn Nets. Um, they really stepped it up over the past month. Um, Kyrie came back playing basketball, and his team hasn't looked like a disaster like they did the two weeks prior when he was being a hot tip. I'm sorry, you have to get slender for that a little bit. Um, 13th in offensive rating and 12th in defensive rating uh, with a 1.1 net rating, which would make them 12th in the league, uh, or which would put them 12th in the league. Um, this team is weird because we've seen the best of it so far this season and we've seen the worst of it so far this season. It's only been 27 games that they've played to date. So um, I'm kind of trying to like figure out what this team's potential truly is. Still, as a viewer, I don't know. The Nets are still a concept and players don't play basketball there. So I can't really say right now what they can be, what they can't be. But regardless, KD's there and he, he's been cooking the league. 36 and 5 on 55, 34, 94 splits. And as long as they have him, as long as they got that player, they straight. So, I mean, um, there's not much for the Brooklyn Nets to worry about this season as a team. And I think they're going to maintain being around that top 10 spot. Um, 22nd in pace, heavy isolation team and heavy on. We're going to make sure that if we do running offense, we're going to make sure Ben Simmons does his old man basketball moves. It's crazy. We really let Ben Simmons become the old man at the basketball park and let it slide as a number one overall pick. Um, The X factor on this Nets team so far is a healthy Seth Curry. He's shooting 41% from the tray line, getting 10 points. Um, He just played more minutes than him the other night and helped the uh nets i believe did they beat the hawks or did the hawks win let me see real quick i gotta double check yeah i believe they helped yeah okay they ended up winning uh so the yeah like when healthy like i said this is as dynamic as any team on this top 10 due to Kyrie and katie's abilities on the court both are one of the better elite three level scorers in the league um, the biggest strength they have on this team is offensive firepower. Um, they're not the greatest floor spacing team, but they uh, will elude you to believe they're the greatest floor spacing team in the league. Meaning like Joe Harris isn't like the shooter we claim him to be, but like he'll give you the illusion sometimes and teams will like flying like, you know, you'll get the extra possessions that you need and the good looks that you can get due to the fact that somebody is going to really think that Joe Harris is going to smack this three on him and maybe have a bad closeout or something. It's a damn winning game. That's how NBA works, sort of. Just that 
illusion that they give off alone. Him, Patty Mills, and then it's Seth. I mean, Seth Curry's on the court too. Royce O'Neal. Though it's not tier one sports facing, it's like tier two with like tier one threats because of what KD and Kyrie can do, which is what I was trying to wrap that whole point around. It's just KD and Kyrie, the offensive firepower that they have with those capable players, you're going to get a dynamic offense, which I believe is what the Nets will probably end up being by the time of the end of the season if the hot tip keeps playing basketball. Uh, the biggest weakness right now for the Brooklyn Nets is availability. Will the hot tip play basketball? And what does consistent basketball look like for Brooklyn? Because I don't know. And a lot of it has to do with the hot tip. Play basketball. <laughs> I, oh, at seven, I got the Nuggets. Um, they're right now sitting at 15 and 10. Um, they're third in offensive rating and 27th in defensive rating. Don't let that offensive rating fool you. This is not a team like Boston or like a team like um, even the Suns with multiple scoring threats on a night-to-night basis so far. If you've watched them play this season, it really is Nikola Jokic that is responsible for that third offensive rating thing. Uh, they're 27th in defensive rating. Don't blame Nikola Jokic for being, them being 27th in defensive rating. Tell Mike Malone to stop drop coveraging to start first halves for like 20 minutes. Maybe teams won't get hot and get runs on you every single night. Um, They're 13th in net rating with a 1.1. Um... This team, it should be better. It should be better. And we all know it should be better. But we all know why it's not better. Um, we kind of need Murray and MPJ to kind of like take that next step already. That we kind of thought they were going to take two years ago before Murray's injury. Um, they're 21st in pace. Uh, they really rely on Jokic a lot to facilitate the offense. With that being said, it's, a, it's no given that they're one of the slower paced teams given that Nikola Jokic is a methodical player and they're going to attack a lot more with cuts and ball movement and what Nikola Jokic provides as a floor spacer and a pick and pop as well as his facilitating in the post um there's no x factor on this team I'm really disappointed with what this team has done so far this season I they, sh- they shouldn't have 10 L's they shouldn't um KCP's supposed to be this player that play defense. I mean, shout out to him for knocking down the shots thus far, playing with the best passer in the league if it's not Luka Doncic. But at some point, we got to stop calling them 3 and D, man. If they're 27th in defense and if guards get off on a night-to-night basis against them, who is sitting down over there? Because right now, the best defender in the perimeter to me in Denver is Bruce Brown. It's not KCP. Um, with that being said, I could slander the defense, but this offense, it really does space the floor out for Nikola Jokic to get the job done. I slandered this team and was disappointed about what they're capable of doing in terms of being dynamic and taking it to the next level. But as far as being consistent and as far as being dynamic on offense and as far as being capable enough to hang with any other team on a night-to-night basis on that end, meaning that you're Offense doesn't plateau or, like, you won't have too many, like, sluggish starts to games. Denver's really a team that 
consistently on a night-to-night basis and can get that job done. And the key to that is the fact that there's a lot of floor space in, on that team. Uh, it's the only way DeAndre Jordan's able to survive in this league. Um, if he was playing on a f- team that didn't have spacing, he would look like how he looked like with us. Um, uh, the biggest strength of this team is the firepower that they have as well as the chemistry that they have. They don't miss out on too many players at this point. Everything's militant. Bone knows exactly where to go at this point. The young players know what to do. Bruce Bone comes in right away. Doesn't look like he's a first-year player on the team. KCP as well comes in. Doesn't look like a first-year player on the team. Just a really dynamic offense overall. The biggest weakness right now for Denver is defense, like I've been saying for real. the defensive principles that they run over there, really, uh, it's not aggressive enough. It's too conservative for a team that doesn't have dynamic enough defenders to make conservative defense work, if that makes sense. Meaning, if Boston runs drop, it's Al Horford, Robert Williams. It makes sense. You guys were in drop with Michael Porter Jr. and Nikola Jokic. It makes zero sense. That's more or less what I wanted. How I wanted to like make that make sense uh can they get their defense to average to have them sustain even being in this ranking right now because if dallas figures it out or if dallas gets a trade or if golden state figures it out or if clippers figure it out and they maintain this it's not gonna be good enough um not this season at least um but shout out nikola Jokic though he really is He's a phenomenal basketball player. He, he he's nice. He's so nice. He's really good at basketball. Um, at six, I got the Phoenix Suns. Um, they're sitting at sixteen and ten now after being top in the conference a week ago. Um, they're second in offensive rating and thirteenth in defensive rating. Um, their net rating is at five point three, which has them sitting at fourth in the NBA. Um. I mean, when the not, when the shots falling, this team is pfft, about as good as the best team in the NBA. But when their shot isn't falling, it's not really too much for them to rely on if it's not the fact that they have Devin Booker, which I'll get into later. Uh, 20th in the pace. Uh, this is a team that's going to run their offense, make sure they get the best look on offense. They really emphasize ball movement over there. Um... Excuse me. Uh, which has allowed Devin Booker to attack the game of basketball at any level while still having the space to do so and see good looks. Um, he's averaging 27-5-5 on 48-38-97 splits. Um, super uber efficient bucket getter from anywhere on the court. Um, which allows the Suns offense to flow like how it does and I wish people would understand that more even when Devin Booker's off which is why they've been losing games by the way Devin Booker has not been hooping um the X factor on this team thus far is Cameron Payne um I think he's done a fine job um coming off the bench and getting 13 and 6 with 37 percent three-point percentage uh he really stepped up in those games where 
CP3 wasn't playing and when he wasn't there, um, the team's strength right now is their offensive firepower and consistency, um, what they're able to provide on a night-to-night basis in terms of like giving Booker the amount of space he needs, giving Aiton the touches he needs to dominate games. Um, CP3 can still methodically run his offensive play style and get to his spots in the pick and roll. Uh, this team has a lot of dynamic looks while still being able to, like I said, when they hit their shots, like hit their shots and be consistent throughout the whole game of basketball. Uh, the biggest weakness for this team right now is depth on their roster. I don't like their bench unit aside from campaign, really. It's nasty. Shamit's not good at basketball. I don't know. I... I I haven't seen them get his game off since the Clippers in the playoffs. And even then, when I saw that, I didn't think he had the best rookie season. So I'm not really the biggest Landry Shamit fan. He, he ain't getting his game off. Cam Johnson's been hurt, which is what really is part of the biggest weakness right now for this team. The lineup of CP3, Book, Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, and DeAndre Ayton have the second best net rating in the NBA at 13.5. Again, this is their closing lineup, so this is amongst other 32 closing lineups in the NBA. That is the second best lineup in the entire NBA uh, as far as consistency in minutes. Um, what, like, yeah, y'all, if you know, you know, y'all know what I mean. Like, I'm not really trying to explain lineup net ratings. Y'all get it. Oh. Uh, that's the second best in the NBA. So with Cam Johnson not being there, um, now it's like they're about as good as they can be. Now it's Craig, and now he's about as good as you can be. Um, shout out Tory Craig. Tory Craig don't space the floor out. I know Cam Johnson. So uh, I guess the biggest question for me is because I know that Cam Johnson is a big piece right now for this team but I still think the depth especially the wing depth on this team is lacking especially because like if they were to go play the finals do you really want Aiden to be Giannis's matchup again do you want Mikael to be Giannis's matchup again um anyway though like can they regain the spirit that they had the past two seasons to take control of another regular season um right now they slipped into third it's a long season they played 26 games. There's plenty more basketball to go. Um, so I'm not really concerned right now about their slippage. I'm more so just trying to see if the consistency can maintain so they can get 50 wins this season. Uh, and will they be able to stop opposing benches? Um, that's just part of the weakness right now for my concerns. They only really have one or two players. This is a team that's seven deep. Um, they're kind of reminiscent of what the Houston Rockets were in the past in that they're seven players deep um, much like Toronto is with the team that I mentioned earlier um, you, just, you just have to have depth in this league and right now that's just the biggest weakness right now for Phoenix in my opinion uh, at fifth I got the Memphis Grizzlies uh, they're sitting right now at 17-9 and the second team in the conference out west. Um, they're ninth in offensive rating and fifth in defensive rating. Uh, they're one of the few teams to be top 10 in both categories. Um, <clears throat> their net rating is three, which is seventh in this league. Uh, 
10th in place, so you are going to play fast with this team, but yet to be able to still have a top five defense, should let you know how balanced this team is at this point in this season. Um, I might be making too early of an assessment of how balanced that is in real timing, but again, going up and down and still being able to have a top five defense is about as balanced as a team as you can have. Um, Jaws give you 28, 7, and 8 on 46, 35, 74 splits. So he's not shooting about as well as I was raving about earlier in the season. However, he's still probably my third fourth choice for MVP. Um, it's still a problem to guard John Morant. John Morant is still the main person on the scouting report. And John Morant has uptooken the assist while not spamming usage rates. I know everybody is kind of like scared of John Morant's volume of scoring, but this team is still able to really like get their games off in spite of Jaws' volume of scoring. He's really adapted to the role of being the bucket getter while also improving as a playmaker. That's something that's very underrated and that y'all need to understand a little bit more. Uh, the X Factor for this team is Tyus Jones. He's getting 10-5 and five off the bench. Really is the best backup point guard in this association today. Um... A healthy Dylan Brooks and Jaron Jackson Jr. are what really are carrying, not carrying, but really are taking this defense to the next level this past month, especially. Um, lineups of Ja, Desmond Bain, Brooks, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Stephen Adams are fifth in lineup rating. Uh, lineup net rating, sorry. Um, this is a team that, like, has the player to close games while still having the personnel to stop you from getting a bucket in close games. So, right now, if this team is about as mature as they seem to be this season in that they responded to the bad second round loss well, then they can get the job done. Right now, their biggest strength is the balance that they have on both ends of the court. The fact that they are able to go up and down with you while still being able to get stops and keep you guys' teams on edge. Uh, the biggest weakness for this team is the youth and consistency. Um, I just need them to be consistent. Can Jock be consistent of a shooter? To where teams have to throw away that scouting report that they have on them for real. Or is the will live shot really just something that we'll just have to live and watch John Morant go up and down with throughout his career. I've seen Westbrook have this up and down spurts in his career, but he never became a consistent shooter. Um, I've seen guy, I've seen plenty of guys have that edge and have that dynamic capability to carry teams. But however, have that ultimate weakness of shooting be the Achilles heel to take their team to the next level. So is John Moran going to be that floor spacer for this team while still being dynamic of a three-level scorer? That's kind of the question that I have for him and this team. Because if he can, this team could really go to the finals this season. I don't know if that's hot take-ish, but at this point, there's not a player that can stop John Moran. So if John Moran can space the floor for his teammates, it's over At full, I got the Cleveland Cavaliers. Y'all know about my Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm back here talking about my Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> they're 11th in offensive rating, and they're first in defensive rating. The best defense in the league. Eye test shows as well as 
the numbers. I. It's December now, I. And Donovan Mitchell, all that talk about him being not part of the defense, all that talk, it's December now. It's December. Then number one is December. How are Garland, How is Garland and Donovan Mitchell doing that? Number one now, it's got to be some kind of defense play. Something has to give. Some kind of, you know, they have to be following some kind of scouting report or some, something's got to give. Something has to be happening here. This is another season now where Donovan Mitchell has the best defensive team in the NBA and it's all Rudy Gobert okay all right internet uh that was 6.1 net rating which makes him third in the NBA so still top three net rating um to date um they're first in opponents points per game uh teams are scoring about roughly 105 points per game on them Donovan Mitchell's averaging 29 4 and 5 on 50 42 89 splits Garland's averaging 22-7-2 on 43-40-87 splits. This is about as efficient and about as dynamic a backcourt as it's going to get in the NBA. Best backcourt in the league. Is that this point is not even close. Like, Stephen Clegg could have sniffed this. Like, CP3 and Harden wish they could get buckets like how DG and D. Mitch do at the same time. I swear to God, they wish they could. <laughs> right now, this team's, this team's X Factor. Um... Yeah, this team depth is kind of like, ooh. So right now, the X factor for this team really is Rubio's health. I've been preaching it on the podcast before. Um, I'll preach it again, and I'll probably preach it till he is healthy. This, The Rubio re-signing is the big question mark for Cleveland because they could have went to go get another wing instead. So the fact that they doubled down on the Rubio signing for team chemistry consistency purposes, so when he does come back on his team, they can seamlessly have another playmaker that they can play, and all of a sudden, 48 minutes of Cleveland basketball looks pretty again. Um, right now, like, that's really the X factor for Cleveland, because if if Jerry Allen's out, they're gonna lose a game. If Donovan Mitchell's out, they're gonna struggle. If DG's out, they're gonna struggle. If they don't have their five, or if they don't have those four players playing, they're going to struggle. That's just been the storyline for Cleveland this season. When those four players play, they're winning games. When those four players are not winning, playing, they're not winning games. And uh, that's kind of like, just really like the main point I want to like make sure that's emphasized. Because like, Jared Allen and Mobley are all world like defenders at this point, like, Jerry Allen's an all-world win protector. He's the best defender in Cleveland, and he's like a top-five defender. First-team All-NBA defense, and he needs defensive player of the year nods. I don't care what the statistics say. I don't care if Miles Turner's like 4.0 blocks per game. Or, or, or I, Jerry Allen is nice. He's Himothy. Right? Anthony Davis went on that world tour for a week, had me parading like a kale, and then Jerry Allen and Mobley said no. He made him run right back to the locker room. They said no, go to the locker room. <laughs> uh, and that's really the biggest strength right now. The biggest strength that I see from Cleveland is the defense. On a night-to-night basis, when they're healthy, it's the best defense in the league. On paper, statistically, I test, you see the defensive production. And whether people want to admit it or not, Donovan Mitchell is a part of that. And right now, the biggest weakness for this team is the players' availability. Those four players need to be playing. And their wing depth. Uh, right now, the depth of the wings on this team stinks. There's nobody on this team that's going to stop Giannis. The Bucks will continue to rail through them until they fight, get, get somebody that can stop Giannis. 
Uh, unless Rubio comes back, and then they can score with Giannis, and now we have a different ball game. Uh, what does so that's what I'm that's really what I'm, you know, what does this roster look like when Rubio's healthy, and can they get a ring around the buyout time? Maybe like they can they get the Dre Crowder around buyout time to make that extra push that they need. I don't know. We'll see though. Um, at three I got the Bucks. The Bucks are 15th in offensive rating, and they're second in defensive rating. Uh, they got a five net rating, which puts them fifth in the NBA. Um, Chris Middleton just came back, so this offense is about as like questionable as any other team that has question marks. Um, it's been really good to see though, uh, even when Chris Middleton was out, that they were able to keep up the defensive consistency. Um, that was needed. Um, Giannis is having another all-world season, 32-11-5. If he's not MVP, should be Depoy. Um, shooting 54% from the field, 27 from three, and 63 from the free throw line. Um, the shooting has to improve. I think at this point we can't keep doing the what if Giannis gets a jumper thing. It's just uh, now Giannis doesn't have a jumper thing. And we'll live with Giannis shooting thing. Uh, because he's willing to take them. He's aggressive shooting. And he's willing to get to the foul line. He's aggressive at attacking the basket. He's going to get to the line 10 times a night. So now it's just about shooting. The shot just needs to fall. In order for the offense to truly be able to peak where it should be. Because right now, there's nothing that, like, anybody else can do on this roster, in my opinion, to take this offense to the next level. Like, not like Drew Holiday is going to be a 25-point game scorer. If Middleton is that scorer, you're going to face the same fate you faced when you were playing before. It's not like just because you got a championship, you can just ride off Middleton's coattail. So it's just like, now this jumper just got to start falling, uh, for me, in my opinion. Uh, the X factor on this team is... Bobby Portis, for real. Um, Bobby Portis getting 13 and 10 off the bench, for real, and being one of the more dynamic bigs in terms of spacing the floor and switching capability and just overall defensive capability has been dynamic for them. Um, I said that Cleveland had the best defense on paper, eye test and all that. Um, when it comes to all three levels of defense, there's nobody that can guard better than Milwaukee can. Uh, Milwaukee can stop your perimeter looks and stop your interior looks just as dynamic and just as effectively, um, if not more. Just because Drew Holiday and those guys like Javon Carter, like those are better defensive options to throw than what Cleveland has out in the perimeter. Um, although Cleveland has better interior options to throw, in my opinion. But the interior debate is closer than the perimeter debate, which is why I say they have the toughest one. Uh, and that's their biggest strength for real, defensive versatility. And their biggest weakness right now is offensive power. Uh, is this offense really going to be that offense that can blow a team away and take over the fourth quarter when needed? Is it an offense that can hang with Boston? I don't know. My mind says no. But I don't know. What does healthy Middleton look like in February? That's their biggest concern or their biggest question. 
Um, at number two, I got the Pelicans. So yes, I am saying the Pelicans right now are a better team than the Milwaukee Bucks. Yes, that is what I have said on. I don't know who Puck is. Uh, they're six in offensive net rated. I mean, they're six in offensive rated. Uh, third in defensive rated. Uh, so they're almost top five in both defense and offense. Uh, they got a seven net rating, which is second in the NBA, only behind Boston. Um, the New Orleans big three, though, it's more like the big two and a half men. Two and a half men. CJ McCollum, I am really mad at you. <sighs> anyway, though, the big two and a half men are getting the game off. Zion is averaging 24 and a half points, seven rebounds, four assists, 60% from the field, 27 from Trey, and 70% from the free throw line. So the free throws are starting to get down now. Um, BI is getting 21, 5, and 5, shooting 47% from the field, 47% from three. 47% from three. Hit it almost two threes a game on four attempts. And he shoot 87% from the free throw line. And then CJ McCollum's out there giving you 17, 5, and 6. And is what is his worst basketball career. I mean, worst basketball season of his career. This is the worst CJ McCollum season of his entire career. Give me 39.5% from the field. 32 from Trey. Like, man, at least he's making his free throws this season. 82%. Last season wasn't making his free throws. CJ McCollum is pissing me off. Until CJ McCollum becomes good at basketball and takes this Pelicans roster to that level it needs to be. I can't give him his props. There's a big two and a half men. CJ McCollum is messing up the vision. Because if y'all know, y'all know. If y'all know who, y'all know. Oh, this my team, man. This, all right. I've been invested for a very long time now. I've been invested in this team for a very long time. And it's finally figured out. They're even 12th in pace. So they still maintain going up and down with teams. While oh, sitting down now. It's so crazy. CJ McCone just has to shoot better. CJ McCone just has to shoot better. <sighs> Trey Murphy's the X factor on his team right now. He's shooting 40% from the field, 40% from three, 95 from the free throw line. Those are insane efficiency splits while giving me 13 points. Um, has been a really dynamic uh, wing presence for them. You know, Y'all know Herb Jones is the defensive phenomenon on that team, but it really is going under the radar that Trey Murphy is low-key the offensive dynamic player on this team. I, I'm not sure if there's... 15 players, for example, that shoot better than Trey Murphy. I'm not sure. That jumper's cash, y'all. That jump, Trey Murphy's jumper's cash. Um, they are super balanced on both ends of the court. They're able to go up and down with you. Just about any other team with the league. They're fifth in points per game. But they're still going to stop you from scoring. They're seventh in opponents points per game out of one in ten. So this is just a super balanced attack. Like, this is super mega balanced. And this is not just a, a whole, oh, but the West is weak thing. I know the West is weak. Everybody knows the West is weak. But this team is really good still. Don't overthink it. Um, the biggest strength of this team is the wing depth that they have. They have so many wings to throw at teams. It's crazy. 
They can throw Ingram at you guys. They can throw Zion at you guys on offense. But they could throw Najee Marshall and they could throw Herb Jones on defense. And then you, I just mentioned, you just heard me rave about Trey Murphy. I didn't even mention his name. That is insane levels of wing depth. That, there's not a team that can throw out wings like that. Offensive principles. Willie Green really does have this team playing hoop for real. If it's not Joe Missoula for Coach of the Year, it's got to be him because the offensive principles and the way they attack the game, able to make teams work through the horn sets mainly. That's their favorite go-to set, but they make y'all work through them sets. And Zion is just impossible to guard anyway, so it's just like, ooh, child, they they got y'all, they got y'all for real. The biggest weakness right now for this team is the inconsistency that this team can reach on both ends because of youth. And CJ McCullum, CJ McCullum, you are the biggest weakness on this team right now. This team should have like two L's. Will the Pelicans assert themselves as a team to beat out West this year? I think they can. If CJ McCollum can stop being the half men and be the big three. But this team's like about as good as any team. I'm really mad at CJ. I'm passionately mad about CJ McCollum because I'm a CJ McCollum fan. I advocate for CJ McCollum so much. I'm the person that will say CJ McCollum is just as good as Damian Leonard and he was just as responsible for whatever Portland was able to do. So why? So the reason why he's making me mad is because right now he's not looking good on a good team. Like it's just not a good look for me. It's bad look, bad volumes. Oh, <laughs> I need that to be fixed, CJ. At number one, I got the Boston Celtics though. Uh, number one offensive rating. They're sitting at twenty-one and five in the NBA. Best offense in the league. Best net rating at eight point eight. I said the Pelicans were at seven in a second. Just running teams out the gate. It, I mean, the net rating is super enhanced right now because they just beat the Suns by 40. But, like, regardless, nonetheless, like, they are getting teams out of there. Like, this is a very, 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 very serious hoop team. This is hoop at its finest in Boston. This is the leader of hoop hierarchy. This is Hoop Academy right now for the NBA. This is basketball at its finest being played in Boston. Y'all better tune in every single night to watch them play. Or you could just be like me and say F them. And become miserable at and wonder if, if, if the NBA is gonna be the same. Cause I don't want these team I don't want this team to be the best team. I want the Pelicans to be the best team. But CJ McCollum has to be a better basketball player for them to be the best team. Anyway, though, uh, they're attending defensive rate, net rating as well, um, which is showing improvement from what they have been doing in the beginning of the season when it was at the 20s. The fact that it's now top 10 is just showing that, I mean, <laughs> that's not even with Robert Williams back. There's no Al Horford, bruh. They're doing that with the backup bigs, man. Cornette's checking in stuff, man. Like, Team gonna win 60 games. This team is gonna win 60 games. This team is really good, dog. It's really good, man. I hate that they're really good, but they really are good. They're nice. Tatum's giving me 30 and a half points, eight rebounds, and four assists. 48, 37, 86 splits. Jalen Brown, 27, 7, 4, 50, 34, 84 splits. 
They got a guy off the bench, an X-Factor player, Malcolm Brogdon, sixth man of the year, getting 14, 4 and 4, 50, 50, 86 splits. Like, what are we talking about? This dude, this team is the best team in the NBA at every aspect of basketball. It pisses me off right now. It shouldn't even be that way, man. It should not be that way. My team had LeBron and AD, and we not even nowhere near my top 15. I couldn't even say they're better than the Warriors. I can't say they're better than the Pacers. I can't say they're better than the Knicks, even. Like, we are. Anyway, though, let me, let me take personal grievances out of this. Um, They're the best overall team in basketball. Their biggest strength is that dynamic offensive firepower that they have with defensive intangibles. What are their weaknesses right now? None. They have absolutely zero weaknesses. They have been able to maintain being a dynamic offense while improving their defense. I don't know. I, they, they are ascending defensively and they're maintaining offensively. It's just it's ridiculous what Boston's been able to do this season. And it hurts my heart. I'm just wondering if they'll capitalize on this momentum that they have. Are they going to keep this up? Or are they going to fall over again? And Lord knows what they did last year. Because last year they had this momentum. It was the same thing last year. I was scared. They were up to... Yeah, I was scared. And they was up to one. They forgot how to hoop. They was up 2-1. Forgot how to hold. So, as much as I'm raving about what they've been doing in 26 games, it's 26 games. So, we never really know, right? But this is my hoop hierarchy. That's my top 10. Probably going to wrap it up here. Um, Let me know if I'm underrating any team, if I'm wrong about anything or missing something. Um, Just don't tell me the Clippers are top 10. Don't do it. You're not being serious. Stop projecting. Don't believe. Don't believe in Batum and Marcus Morris Senior as much as you say you do. You don't. You just don't. You're not serious. You don't believe in that. You don't believe in John Wall as much as you say you do. You don't believe in Norman Powell as much as you say you do. You just don't. Y'all don't mean that when y'all say this. That's the deepest team. They're a deeper team than basketball. The deepest team in basketball really is Boston. I could have told you that in the preseason. I could have told you that. I mean, I could have, I, I wanted to fall off because of all the debacle, but I could have told you that was the deepest roster on paper. Don't even have Gallinari in there, like 120. And Gallinari is one of the better force pacing forwards in the NBA still.